Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg. And this is Kirk Gray. And Kirk and I are just chatting about um, the, a career, career progression type stuff. And we were talking about, and I, I asked Kirk and he answered, yes. Right away. And I said, <laughs> I'm like, ah. and I said, wait, stop. Let's hit record before you go on this. So the question was, should a relate? So this past couple of years, uh, part of it is pandemic. Part of it is working from home. Part of it is, there's all kinds of forces at play. But right. over the it, last year or two years, there's been a record number of people that said, all right, I'm leaving this company. I'm going to go work somewhere else. Now there's right. tight labor market. There's uh, plenty of jobs available. Right. People could move because they want to be closer to home or family or part of the world they want to be in. Or they are tired of their boss. and There's opportunities to go someplace else that might be better aligned with their career or whatever. Um, but it's, right. is, it a, is it a strategy that, a reliability engineer who's dependable and trustworthy and is, you know, always very reliable, doing very reliable type person shows up all the time for the meetings, gets stuff done, makes your products better. Should right. they go to a different company every year, two years or a different job every year, two years, even if it's in within one company uh, or is it better to stay in, in hold and, 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 you know, create a, uh, a, uh, a legacy basically or craft because it takes time to change a culture of an organization to be more or less durable or reliable, whatever to get right engineering started. It, it, what's the trade off here? Yeah. I think the pandemic for sure has uh, kind of thrown, tossed the whole idea of work life balance and work and you know, what you want to do in your career um, up in the air. And so it, it's really kind of, made people rethink the whole thing. But my experience has been, and I think you as a consultant, and as we've, you know, evolved to, to working with a lot of industries mm -hmm. in different industries, we learn so much from each one. Yep. Like I've worked with oil, oil, uh, gas drilling equipment. I, it was just a different world, you know, and mm -hmm. then going from, you know, Dell computers, um, to uh well you were in semiconductor repairs uh, yeah i right? actually was in ships so i actually went with the flow of the electronic assembly process from the from actually making uh with ion implanters and uh thin film deposition equipment high vacuum equipment is where i started in the 80s 70s and 80s and then uh you know eventually moved on to uh, circuit boards and uh, system process. Well, then you tried to bury him five miles under the ground in oil and gas and drilling operations. <laughs> <laughs> I found, you know, talk about extreme conditions. That oh, stuff yeah. is amazing that it operates at 175C. Yeah, and 50,000 G shocks continuously. And you don't know this stuff until you get into those industries and you realize how robust semiconductors can be, how, uh, how tough electronics can be yeah unless you also do what i did was put a com motherboard computer motherboard into the chamber and uh he you know ran it at 130 c with the cpu uh, uh cooling block on it but other than that you find out you only you only discover these things 
So you discover a lot and talk about, you know, uh, being exposed to a lot of different attitudes too. I think when you work and you can do this in a company, like when I was with storage tech, I went from thin film deposition of, uh, tape heads, tape, you know, um, what were called sliders. I don't know if they have that anymore, but <laughs> the mechanical uh, device that picked up the, the signal from the disc, mm -hmm. that was mostly a semiconductor process. So I went from there and then inside the same company, storage technology, from making those heads to the assembly of uh, circuit boards and and uh, the systems testing, you know, the whole the whole system. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where also I learned and met Dr. Greg Hobbs, who taught me about Halton Haas, was my mentor there. Yeah. But that's where, you know, if I'd stayed with one company like, uh, oh, I don't even know. I, I, I'd get bored. I guess I'd get really bored with it, you know. That, well, you, if you were still with Storage Tech, though, and... Existed, yeah. And made it a career, right, in, in one company, you'd probably be a senior manager of reliability or quality or both in, in shaping the culture of the place. You know, in a 20, 30-year career, you probably have a, in a tremendous impact. Depends on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish and the culture around you. If they're switching CEOs every six weeks right. and you get all, you know, and it's, if the focus is always on cost reduction and, oh, go away, you do the reliability over there, it, it there's do you want to take on that challenge and help change the culture or or create a change like that or do you you know do you see hope for it going forward but that's right. just one of many many considerations right, that go right. into it but i agree with you kirk wholeheartedly is that i had the opportunity and it was when i was at hp is to do right. an assessment of reliability programs in our 50 different product lines so right. in a span of about a year and a half I learned so much and you, right. you summarized it well. Mm -hmm. And it became very, very clear that the presence of a reliability engineer is not as important as the, the approach or philosophy of that reliability in that organization. Some organizations that had absolutely amazing reliability performance of their products, right. very cost-effective design practices that mm -hmm. built in reliability, mm -hmm. and there wasn't a reliability engineer in sight. The team got it, right? They, right. And right. they just did it, and, right. and vice versa. I've seen teams like at companies that have a whole <laughs> room full of reliability engineers, and they're not worth the paper they're sitting on. You know, <laughs> to turn a phrase. I just, I just reminds me of this. Oh, you know, I just had to shake my head when when storage technology assembled a group of engineers from all parts of the company to respond or to answer the question, why were their predictions not correlating with the actual field failure rates? <laughs> <laughs> read, I thought read it was the so I got a hundred dollar, you know, American Express gift certificate out of it. But we had, you know, there was this coming taking 217 and adding these obscure design maturity facts, you know, just so they were pulling it out of their ass. Yeah, I mean, no, it, was, it was a random number generator with random number generators on exactly. top of it. You know, it was like, and, and nobody would sit there and say, what are you basing your predictions on? What me physical mechanisms, what yeah. history, what data, what, you know, well, and you, then, you mentioned the, the slider kind of thing is this, and they had a, a client. It was a pro, it was this uh, uh, 
a storage device of some sort, but it was yeah. on tape. Uh, yeah. tape. And this, is, I guess, date me a bit. And there, it was Dell was the major purchaser coming mm-hmm. in, big pro- purchase coming in, and they yeah. their purchasing agent required a parts count prediction. Oh man! Yeah, it is your fault. I know it was your fault. You've been there, right. and, and so they might have been before that. But anyway, they said we don't do that. It's worthless. We know that what's going to wear out in this thing is right. the glass fret that this tape mm-hmm. rides on, so that right. it has the right spacing. And every foot causes this many microns right. to be worn away, right. so many thousands of feet, or however many travel like time. we know an automobile tire wears out you yeah. know there's, there's friction and yeah yeah how many miles how many measurable. times is that you can measure this stuff although it varies with the tape manufacturer too oh, yeah. and the grain yeah. size and a lot of other things but they knew this they knew it and said this is what's going to wear out all the other stuff solid state is right we you know we you might have one in a million issues here and there but this will limit the life of your product Right. By far of anything else. And here's the equation. Here's the test data. Here's all the science behind it and everything else. And he says, no, 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 that's all fine. And you understand what the reliability is, but I need reliability like from 217. Right. And, and, and this, this stays like, forever. Yeah. But anyway, we, I mean, in, in the that's podcast. Why, that's why I say when to be a good reliability engineer requires you to kind of investigate and see a lot of different mechanisms. If you're just with the same device and the same system, you're not going to be one to go out and see, you know, like I did with semiconductor manufacturing equipment on up to circuit boards and systems and understand the big picture. And also what are the more common things that actually cause failure in the field. Well, and, you know, and, I, I think, I think you can still do that within one company, one product line. And it's up to the individual for curiosity and and following down the details of things. And I mean, every product we ever worked with continue to evolve and change. And we have new materials, new assembly processes, but even going just to the vendors, right. And being included on the vendor selection stuff in many organizations, that would be a culture change right from the start instead of being only called in when there's a major quality or reliability problem is design it in right from the vendors start, you know, kind of thing. You can learn a lot from these different vendors and the way they go about doing stuff. There's tons of stuff there, but the strategy is, is do you create that exposure to different technologies and different atmospheres and different cultures around reliability within a company or by moving around? Right. If you can do that, right. If you're able to do that, that's, uh, helps, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult, uh, changing jobs, especially when you have a family or you have financial responsibilities and like that Mm -hmm. to just go out and say, I'm going to quit and go to another company. But Mm -hmm. with, uh, a lot of experienced engineers, they can, you know, get offers and go, of course, also, I don't want to move anymore. And that's another problem is relocating. You really should get out of that chair more often, Kirk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but when I was young, I did. I yeah. went and lived in New York when I sold semiconductor equipment. Um, and, you know, um, so that's the time to do it in, is invest your time. And, and I don't think you're going to, I mean, I, I think you would agree that you'll be a better consultant if you've seen more different industries, although you might be a specialist in one. You know, and one of the things that, you know, I think has really changed in the whole, since the pandemic and the work life is is the politics of the office. And, and that's always something you're going to have to deal with, mm-hmm. no matter where you work, mm-hmm. is 
who's in favor with what manager, who's you know, the influencers, who's the, exactly. You know, who's the linchpin type people. Who's the, what do you call it? Uh, rate and, you know, the rating system where they used to call it, uh, where they cut off the bottom, you know, 20% oh, yeah, forced ranking, yeah. forced ranking system, things like that. So you had to spend a lot of time either promoting yourself or something like that. I didn't, I wasn't that great at that. And I was trying to make more demonstrations, but they usually came too late of what a higher level of testing of, st of stressing things to mm -hmm. a higher level, what you could find and, yeah. and, and identifying problems. And, um, so anyway, but getting to the right people, having the right contacts, and that's a big part of, you know, climbing the company ladder or whatever, if you want to well, do that. Yeah. If I, I think one of the things that's really changed from, from our generation, Kirk, to our previous generations mm -hmm. is that having two or three jobs in, in for me growing up, you know, having three, four different jobs and even if different industry, right. it was being is considered okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I was a young engineer, there was one guy that was there for like six months and he went to another company and he went to another company and then he tried getting hired back and he, and they said, what, why do we want to invest in you when you, you've got this hop job every year kind of thing. And sometimes somebody with that experience then got hired back and they ended up getting promoted, you know, right. by right. not being there. And, but right. they went and got a bunch of experience and right. they could demonstrate the value they could do and provide right. and so on. But if you're, if your career looking for experiences or looking for the right cultural fit for you and your, your lifestyle or, or your job, you know, there's so many different reasons to go into it, but what's changed dramatically is that people that have had, well, it's okay for them to say, well, it wasn't a good fit for me. So I left for a better opportunity or I did what I could do there. And it wasn't really a challenge left for me. I want to challenge myself. And, and I left. Right. And so if I leave a job after a year or two years, it's not necessarily seen as a bad thing anymore. No, you're right. It, right. It, back in my, especially my parents' generation, when I first got laid off, they said, well, what did you do wrong? You must yeah. have done something serious, you know, yeah. like it was for cause. They yeah. didn't realize how weak the bonds between the employer and employee came. And <clears throat> they would drop you in a heartbeat if they had a, if Make they had a bad numbers. financial year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that became the norm. And then, of course, my older brother got laid off from a, law position and then my parents realized well the world has changed it, yep. does, it, it doesn't mean anything and you know when i got resumes in i it wouldn't be surprising me uh of course nowadays it wouldn't be surprised to see you know 20 jobs in a yep. in a uh, 10 year, um, you know, well, out here in silicon valley there's you know I, i've been on 15 right, different startups street, you know yeah. and they they all didn't pan out, but this one looks promising. So I still own my stock on that one, but I'm looking for another challenge. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like so nowadays you're right. The, the, the implications of people changing jobs is not as bad. And I think in some cases, uh, if it's not because they were unpleasant to work with, <laughs> yeah. you know, fired for cause, I think it's certainly, uh, they have an advantage in having seen, uh, other failures in other companies and things like that. You know, they can't discuss it. They've signed an NDA. They can't really bring. But they know uh, to say, hey, you know, this material set here does right. galvanic corrosion. We got to look into that. Mm -hmm. You know, that right. you can you know the failure mechanism level. Right. You're good. 
Or you could say, let's not buy from that vendor. I happen to suspect now, they're really bad. <laughs> <laughs> you just had a disaster with them. The yeah. last company you're with. That's right. Right. So that experience is something that uh, I think gives you a better uh, holistic uh, uh, knowledge of, uh, of reliability in general. And so uh, I would say, um, you know, somebody gets – to me, also, somebody in the same company hasn't uh, really challenged the system. <laughs> well, they can. I think that's up to the person. Is do you want to? You want to? Now, yeah, you get a grace period when you move into a new company. And exactly. You're brought in as the reliability exactly. engineer. So you can start saying it's basically providing an internal assessment of their program and saying, well. You know, we should do this, this, and this, and this right. is why. Here's recommendations. And that's when you get the resistance. And yeah. there's the battles of the people that are established there. But you get heard a, when you're first there. It's like right. being a consultant and doing an assessment. Right. At least they hear it. And I, I learned the hard way. I was in doing this one for a company. And mm-hmm. and I says, why am I here? You know, you, you know all this stuff. And he, <laughs> he says, but they've stopped listening to me. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of plywood here. And I said, all right, well. Uh, well, you, how about you just tell me what you want me to put in the report and we'll go play golf this afternoon. Exactly. And he said, no, exactly. no, no, I can't do that. And he says, I want to see what you come up with. And we ended up agreeing, except I had one thing he didn't have and he had one thing I didn't have. And and they, because it was on my letterhead, who they'd never met, this board of directors had never met me. Yeah. I didn't talk to them. Yeah. They bought all of those recommendations. They said, yep, yeah, we got to do all that. Make it happen. And he'd been telling them for the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he says, yeah, they believe you when you're far away and have a beard, you know, kind of thing. Well, beard. that's what happened. Yeah. It, it, my first company that I consulted with, uh, Advanced Energies uh, Industries, they, they had a guy there that knew the Halt House and yeah. Halt Methods would find a lot of the problems that he'd been dealing with in the production all the time. And he, yeah. you know, but he had had a political crosshairs, you know, was in the. Uh, doghouse for something he had done long ago and so the chief executive wasn't going to listen to him and you know he he'd really fallen out of political favor but they brought me in and i got it done and had a tremendous success with it so much that they closed the door and said please don't talk about this uh this is proprietary now and okay and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you know that that's the problem too. Like, well, there's again, that. Yeah, you know, you get to a different company, you get you get uh, new information, you get to see the secrets behind the wall, even though you can't tell anybody else in the future. Well, it's amazing to me is the stuff that <laughs> I mean from one industry to the next, and whether yeah. that's different, moving to a different company, different industry like mm-hmm. you, you were describing or within like if you're in a big company that has lots of product lines, just move right. from one product line to the next or go right. to the vendors. There's a wealth of differences there. Right. I, I think the gain, the experience it's where's your opportunity and where do you want to go? The changing jobs, changing, you know, where your W2 comes from basically or right. 1099. That's a, it's two different lifestyles and there's all kinds mm-hmm. of other reasons beyond just being a good reliability engineer. Um, but getting the experience, I think, is what we're coming up with. The career strategy right. is is broaden your scope of what you focus right. on and touch on and, and consider and contemplate. All of those good mm-hmm. things. And that can be done within the company. And it, it can, can be done by switching companies. And so, I, But the, the other factor is that it's, like we said just a moment ago, is that it's, it's okay. 
it's more and more accepted. It's I don't think it's universally, but I don't think it's as much of a black mark or a, a indicator if you've changed jobs frequently. Yeah, I would I would say every six months I see a new job on the I'd say no, this you know, you really didn't have enough time there. Yeah. But a year and a half, maybe. And also, in my experience, companies have disappeared. They, you know, close shop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so, it, 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 it's all yeah. kinds of reasons, but it's yeah. the get, getting the experience from different opportunities, mixing that with where you want to live and your work-life balance, and do you want a boss that's more of a mentor or a task manager? Where do you thrive? Right. Those are all right. important factors too. But along the way, you get to see all kinds of cool failure mechanisms. Oh man, <laughs> so it's, that's yeah. the best part. Right. I mean, from uh, I've seen you know high vacuum equipment to electronics to mechanical you know you just gotta and and you're right you can do that in the same company and also your uh your attitude and and your curiosity um you know whether you're going to go dig into and and do the investigations in companies especially for reliability failures because Mm -hmm. those are generally somebody's uh, an assignable cause and and it might have been somebody's fault and those are really difficult to find out uh, you know, the history. Sometimes people just want to forget those things. Yeah. But you need to go study them to know what the how the company's dealt with major reliability issues. Also. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of another topic. We'll have to, to make a note <laughs> okay. on the on a, 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 a financial uh, segment on on the on a radio station. They were talking about the new CEO. When a new CEO comes into a company, they're much more likely to have a recall because they can still say, well, it's not my fault, man. It was the previous CEO. <laughs> <laughs> and they're yeah. more, as they stay there right. longer, they're more and yeah. more reluctant to pull the trigger on a exactly. recall. Exactly. They were responding, you know, yeah. it was under their watch. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, all right. So next time I see, you know, somebody just took over as CEO, look for the recalls. Maybe we can learn something. <laughs> It's, it was that might be a whole other topic, but anyway, yeah. you know, if you're listening to this and you're, and if have you changed jobs a handful of times, what benefit did you get? Have you stayed in the same organization, and how did you grow as a reliability engineer and get all these different experiences? Or another option that we didn't talk about? Let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com/go/sor couple of ways for you to get in touch with us, including a speak pipe widget, which I just checked before the recording. There wasn't a new uh, voice message there. Or you can get a hold of Kirk or I or the other hosts of the show through LinkedIn or our about pages. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch. And we'd like to hear how's it, how's it going for you with your career? Yeah. Now that the workplace has really changed and, you know, a lot of people are working from home, we, we want to hear about your experience with work and changing jobs and whether that's been an an advantage to you or a setback. Yep, exactly. All right. Thanks, Kirk. Talk to you again soon. Okay. Talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.